Amen. Well, good morning, Mount Zion Baptist Church. I am so excited to be here with you again. And I know that I can't stand up here. <laughs> I hope this is okay. My name is Richard Wilson. I live here in Hamilton, Alabama for three and a half years. And I'm just super excited to be here. Thank you so much, Pastor Israel and Brandy. I know they're already in Florida. I hope they're already at the park enjoying those big monster turkey legs. Has anybody ever been to Disney World? Yeah, you know, they've got these turkey legs that I don't know what they feed the turkeys, but they're feeding them something good. So I just thank you so much for the opportunity to be here. It is a massive honor and privilege for me. I have a lot of family with me this morning. I actually brought my wife Christy and Savannah and other sons and daughters that I don't consider friends, but they're part of our family. Actually, most of them have lived with us at some point in their lives, or they are there so much they might as well live with us. I have got a message for you that I'm excited to share. It's something that, it's a journey that I've been on since probably early October, and I want to share it with you. Before I get into this message about being a kingdom of priests, does anybody have a birthday this month? I got a few. Does anybody have months in December, a birthday in December? I'm so sorry for those who have birthdays in December. It's like somehow you get robbed of gifts because if you're like in May or June, you know, halfway from December, you get a lot more gifts, I feel like. But have you ever had a birthday gift given to you where your parents, or if their parents in here, kind of made a treasure map for your kids? Like instead of just giving them the gift right here and say happy birthday, they actually give you a map of where the gift is. And you've got to go through areas of your bedroom or your house or your garage or your shed to find clues of where this gift is. Has anybody done that? Yeah, you have. And what happens is when you, you get this treasure map, this excitement starts to build. This healthy anticipation starts to build. Oh my gosh, what did my parents give me? What good gift did they give me? And you go to the first room and you get a clue and it gives you a clue to the next clue in the next room, but it also gives you a clue to what the gift is. And you're like, oh my gosh. And you begin to get really excited. And then you go to the second room and you get the clue and the second clue builds on top of the first clue. Then you go to the third room and if you're really cool, you got a pool outside and maybe there's a clue by the pool or something like that. And by the time you finally get the gift, you are so excited because there was an effort on your part to receive it. Instead of your parents saying, okay, here's the keys to a brand new car, as awesome as that would be, if they send you to the gas station and find like a, a gas card to go with a car, that would be even better. And there's just this appreciation for the effort that we went through to receive this gift. And with God, it's the exact same way. He could give us everything that we need right now, but he wants us to participate with him. There's an effort on our part to receive it. Only because it draws us closer to him, not that we have to somehow to deserve it, but the, the closeness that it, it brings. And that's what I want to share with you about being a priesthood this morning. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to Joshua chapter 6. Joshua chapter 6. 
Are you guys ready for Thanksgiving? Me too. Does anybody have like a massive meal planned out? Yes, you should. The one time of year where if you're on any kind of diet plan, don't even say the word diet. If someone comes into your house, like a family member or a friend, and they're like, ah, oh, I can't eat this because I'm on a diet, just like, no, just, we don't have that kind of talk in here, not on Thanksgiving. So before we get into the word of Joshua chapter 6, let me give you just a brief context of where we are. In Israel's history, they have already come out of Egypt. They've gone through their 40 years of wilderness wanderings. Moses has died. His protege, his predecessor, is now in charge, Joshua. They've already crossed over the Red Sea. They've also, also crossed the Jordan River. They are now ready to receive the promised land. This long-awaited promise that they've been thinking about that probably helped them get through those 40 years in the wilderness, they are about to receive it. But they've got to conquer seven different people groups to get the land of Canaan. They've got to get them all out. Their first assignment from God is to take out the city of Jericho. Has anybody ever heard or read about Jericho, where they marched around the city for seven days? I always thought that when they marched around the city, that nobody said anything, that they just had to march. They would march around the city one day. They'd march around second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh days. And it wasn't until the seventh day that they shouted. But as I read into the scripture, that's not exactly how it happened. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me, Joshua chapter 6, and we'll read verses 1 through 13. Now Jericho was securely shut up because of the children of Israel. That's pretty good if you can shut somebody up just because who you are. I just received that blessing right now. If you've got an enemy in your life, he can just shut them up because who you are. None went out and none came in, which means that it is a fortified city. It is a stronghold. It would take a normal army one year to go in and take the city down. That's how fortified the city is. And the Lord said to Joshua, See, I've given Jericho into your hand, its king and the mighty men of valor. You shall march around the city, all your men of war. You shall go around the city once. This you shall do for six days. And seven priests shall bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. But the seventh day you shall march around the city seven times, and the priests shall blow the trumpets. Pay attention to that. And the priests shall blow the trumpets. It shall come to pass when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, and when you hear the sound of the trumpet, that all the people shall shout with a great shout, then the wall of the city will fall down flat, and the people shall go up, every man straight before him. Then Joshua, the leader, the son of Nun, called the priest and said to him, Take up the ark of the covenant, and let seven priests bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark of the Lord. Verse number seven. Am I reading too fast? Okay. And he said to the people, Proceed and march around the city, and let him who is armed advance before the ark of the Lord. So it was when Joshua had spoken to the people that the seven priests, bearing the seven trumpets of ram's horns before the Lord, advanced and blew the trumpets. There that it is again. And the ark of the covenant of the Lord followed them. Verse number 9. The armed men went before the priest who blew the trumpets, and the rear guard came after the, the ark, 
while the priests continued blowing the trumpets. Verse number 10. Now Joshua had commanded the people, saying, You shall not shout or make any noise with your voice, nor shall a word proceed out of your mouth until the day I say to you, Shout. Then you shall shout. Verse number 11. So he had the ark of the Lord circle the city, going around it once. Then they came into the camp and lodged in the camp. And Joshua rose early in the morning, and the priests took up the ark of the Lord. Verse number 13. Then the seven priests, bearing seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark of the Lord, went on continually and blew with trumpets. Now we're going to skip down to verse 16. And this is now on the seventh day, the seventh time they circled it. And the seventh time it happened, when the priest blew the trumpets, that Joshua said to the people, Shout, for the Lord has given you the city. We'll skip down to verse 20. So the people shouted, and the priest blew the trumpets. And it happened when the people heard the sound of the trumpet, and the people shouted with a great shout that the wall fell down flat. Then the people went up into the city, every man straight before him, and they took the city. Wow, that is a mouthful to read all of that. So let me just break it way down for you. Joshua told the people, this is what the Lord told me. We're going to defeat our first city of Jericho. And it's going to take God's help to do it. We can't do it by ourselves. It's a supernatural victory. This is the strategy. The priests are going to blow their trumpets. There's seven priests. They're going to march around the city. There's going to be priests behind them carrying the ark of the Lord. And then behind them, there's 40,000 troops. Joshua 4 tells us how many troops there are. 40,000 troops following the priests who are following the priests who are blowing the trumpets. And they're going to march around the city one day, once a day. They're going to do that for six days. The troops, the armed men, can't say a word, but the priests are continually blowing the trumpet. All the time they're marching, they're blowing and blowing and blowing. But the men can't say anything. They do this for six days. On the seventh day, they march around the city seven times. All the while, the priests are blowing the trumpets, blowing the trumpets. The men can't say anything. The men can't say anything. <laughs> How hard is that? For seven days, the armed men, they couldn't speak. When they're marching, when they're doing their assignment, they couldn't speak. Until finally, on the seventh day, the seventh time around, when they blew the trumpets for the seventh time that day, the people let out a shout. And when they shouted, these great big walls, these great big barriers fell down flat. And all the men rushed into Jericho and they wiped everybody out. They didn't keep anybody alive. They wiped them all out. It was, it was utter devastation to the enemy, but it was complete victory for the people of God. Did you notice, though, that they had walked around seven days? The walls did not come down until the people shouted. So let me tell you this story. I've been believing God for a specific thing. I work for FedEx. Some of you guys know that. I'm training a new driver named Andrew. This is last month. And so I'm in the passenger seat of the, in the van, which is a very small compartment, and I'm sitting down, and I've been asking God for a particular thing, just believing God, just putting faith on it. And it was on a Friday. I'll never forget this. The text came through 
And it was an answer to that prayer thing I'd been believing for. Without thinking, without hesitation, I stood up like in the cab. I put my face in the windshield and I said, somebody shout. Andrew runs off the road because he thought I was shouting at a car coming the other way. I'm like, no, 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 no. He gets back onto the road. He's like, what happened? I was like, God answered my prayer. Somebody shout. Man, I was excited. Uh, where's Miss Tammy? There she is. I saw Miss Tammy five minutes after this happened. I was so excited. We delivered a package to CIS. I didn't even tell her what it was about. I just ran up to Miss Tammy inside CIS. I said, Miss Tammy, somebody shout. Just like that, I was so excited. And you know what she did? She shouted. <laughs> she said, praise the Lord. She didn't even know what it was about. But I noticed something when I went to CIS. That when we shouted, yeah, we kind of maybe looked ridiculous, but the complete atmosphere at CIS changed. Here's what the Lord was teaching me. Whenever any atmosphere that you win, you have authority over. When you're at work, where you're at home, when you're at church, wherever you are, you have control over that atmosphere. And the enemy would love to keep us silent. He would love to keep our mouths shut. He would love to keep us not declaring the victory of God is. That's what the shout is. It's not just, ah, it's declaring his victory in heaven on earth. That's his prayer. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The victory, that's what the shout is. I realize it may not be cultural, but it's biblical. So I began to question myself. Is there any fortified city? Is there any stronghold in my life that's still standing because I'm not speaking to it? I know, again, the shout, it works. It's a gift from God. And then I began to realize in this journey with the Lord, just like this treasure map, he was showing me that when the enemy comes in with doubt, my response is to shout. How many times have you believed God for something? And it doesn't happen right away, immediately. It's not like a microwave. All right, I'm going to put my prayer request that my cousin get saved. All right, I'm going to punch it in for two minutes and two minutes, and then it's going to come out, and she's going to get saved. Well, it doesn't always happen that fast. And in the waiting, the enemy will just send wave after wave after wave of doubts of emotions and thoughts of doubt, saying it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. And then our faith begins to die down. Our belief in God begins to damper. Our fire, our passion for Jesus, it just starts to wane. That's what the enemy would love for us to do, is for our passion for Jesus to wane. But when the enemy comes in like a flood, that the Lord is going to raise up a standard. You know what that standard is? It's a shout. So if you're at home and you wake up and you feel heavy, that's just unusual. I challenge you. Shout. So praise the Lord. The victory is mine. I guarantee you, as soon as you say it, the atmosphere begins to break up. And you're like, oh, wow. That's really cool. As I was reading this, though, I saw something in the scripture. Just like this treasure map, that's not the full revelation of the Battle of Jericho. Do you remember when I read Joshua chapter 6, verses 1 through 13, 
16 and 20, there was a certain phrase that was repeated. The phrase, and the priest continually blew the trumpet or blow the trumpet was repeated seven times in those 15 verses. Do you think the Lord was trying to communicate something to us by repeatedly saying, and the priests shall blow the trumpet, and the priests shall blow the trumpet? Now, I'm married, clearly, to the most beautiful woman in the world. But as a man, sometimes, I know I'm the only one in here, sometimes when my wife Christy tells me something, I don't automatically respond the proper way that I should. Like she'll say, can you hang this up for me? And I'll be sitting here watching TV or on the phone or something. Can you hang this up for me? It's almost like it's not that I'm intentionally ignoring her. I think as a man, as we get older, that is our natural response. So sometimes she'll have to say, hey, oh, oh, okay. That's how I know the Bible was written to man, because it repeats itself over and over and over, and it takes us a few times to get it. Now, women, they're so intuitive, they'll pick it up even before it's said. But for guys, you know, that's why they're said when Jesus fed 5,000 men, they were only counting men, because that's who he was speaking to, because it takes us guys a long time to figure it out. I don't know why that is. So I got, I got really curious about this. Why is, why is God, why is the Lord telling me that the priests blow the trumpets? When they were blowing the trumpets, the walls didn't come down. The priests are carrying the Ark of the Covenant, which symbolizes the presence of God. That was there all seven days. The walls didn't come down at the presence. That shocked me. What is it about the priests blowing the trumpets? So I did a little word search, and this trumpet is the word shofar. Has anybody ever heard of shofar? It's a ram's horn. It's kind of twisted. And when they would blow it, it's a call to war. Very interestingly, I looked to see the first time the word shofar was used, and it's in Exodus 19. Would it be okay if we turn a few books before, and we'll read about the shofar, the very first time that the word shofar in Hebrew, the word that we translate into trumpet, is used is Exodus 19.16. Before we read that, I'll tell you where we are. We just read about Joshua attacking the city of Jericho. In this instance, in Exodus 19, it's 40 years prior. The children of Israel had just come out of Egypt God had sent ten plagues on the Egyptians. They crossed the Red Sea. God parted the sea for the children of Israel, crashed it back in on top of the Egyptians and Pharaoh and killed all of them. It was just an amazing moment in Israel's history. Supernatural event after supernatural event, and it completely delivered three million people. They're at the point in Exodus 19 where they've been in the wilderness for three months. Moses is their leader they're riding the high tide. Have you ever been in your life where things are just going great? Everything in your life is working. Your job is great. You love your boss. Your coworkers are getting along. Y'all are producing at work. Relationship with your spouse is great. Your kids are great. They're not getting in trouble. You're not having to put them in timeout or 
uh, take their phone away from them. I mean, money's great. Everything's great. This is what we are in Exodus 19. Israel's at their peak. Everything is working for them. And this is what I want to set up for you. In Exodus 19, verse number 3, they're in the wilderness of Sinai, and Moses is going to go up and meet with God face to face. And Moses went up to God, and the Lord called to him from the mountain, saying, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob, and tell the children of Israel, You have seen what I did to the Egyptians, and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you shall be a special treasure to me above all people, for all the earth is mine. Pay very close attention to Exodus 19, verse number 6. And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words which you shall speak to the children of Israel, every single one of them, not just the men, the women too. And the children, God is saying to Moses, tell them I want every single one of them to be a priest to me. A priest means that you get to meet with God face to face. You get to know him in an intimate way, just like a man knows his wife. That's how close the relationship between a priest and God is. So Moses goes down to the people and says, hey, I've got a proposition for you. This is too good to be true. God wants you to be a priest to him, all of you. And they said, yeah, yeah, of course, yeah, of course. Look what God did for us. He loves us. He delivered us supernaturally. Yeah, we'll be his priests. So God said to Moses, tell the people in three days, I'm going to descend upon this mountain. They need to consecrate themselves. They need to get ready. On the third day, I want all of the people to come near to the base of the mountain, I'm going to come down. I'm going to show up in such a supernatural way, Moses, that they will believe you forever. And this is powerful. I've never had God spoke to me in a way that he's about to speak to Moses. Can we read about this? We are in Exodus still, number chapter 19. And let's go in verse 16. Then it came to pass... On the third day, I think God likes third days. (laughs) A little foreshadowing. Actually, the entire Bible, the entire Old Testament is foreshadowing to Jesus. Everything is pointing to him. I just love these little clues. It's like our treasure map. Then it came to pass on the third day in that morning that there were thunderings and lightnings and a thick cloud on a mountain and the sound of the trumpet, there's that word, trumpet, was very loud so that all the people who were in the camp trembled and Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet with God and they stood at the foot of the mountain. Now Mount Sinai was completely in smoke because the Lord descended upon it in fire. And smoke ascended like the smoke of a furnace, and the whole mountain quaked greatly. Verse 19, And when the blast of the trumpet sounded long and became louder and louder, Moses spoke, and God answered him by voice. I've never had God descend to me in a cloud. I've never seen the thunderings and the lightnings, and I've not heard a trumpet. The cool thing about the trumpet is he was blowing it. Moses wasn't blowing it. There was only two people on the mountain, Moses and God. 
Moses was not blowing the trumpet. God (laughs) was blowing the trumpet. When God blows the trumpet, it's signaling to the entire earth, I am descending from heaven and I am on the earth to dwell with man. That's what the trumpet blast was communicating. The entire mountain shook with his glory. There was thunderings, there was lightnings, there was smoke. I mean, this is a sight. And the people who initially said, yes, we'll be priests to you, saw the smoke, they saw the lightnings and the thunderings, and when they heard the trumpet blast, they started backing up. Like, I don't, I don't know about all that. Like, you know, delivering us out of Egypt, that was really cool, but I don't, that's, that's too strong, that's too powerful. I, I can't control that. And this is what happened in Exodus 20. This is the people's response at God's manifest presence. In verse 18, Exodus 20, verse 18. Now all the people witnessed the thunderings, the lightning flashes, the sound of the trumpet. There it is again. And the mountain smoking. And when the people saw it, they trembled and stood afar off. Then they said to Moses, you speak with us and we will hear, but let not God speak with us lest we die. And Moses said to the people, do not fear for God has come to test you that his fear may be before you so that you may not sin. Verse number 21, one of maybe the saddest scripture in this book. So the people stood afar off, but Moses drew near the thick darkness where God was. When God said, hey, I want the entire nation to be priests to me. I want you to know me in such an intimate way. People are like, yeah, let's do that. But then when he showed up, they're like, no, let's not do that. I don't know about that. That's just too weird. Moses, I'll tell you what, you hear from God, tell us what he says, and we'll follow you because we can see you. We can handle you. We can't handle that. I can't handle that. Forty years go by, and they're in the wilderness. Has anybody ever been in a wilderness season? I have. I wonder if their wilderness season lasted 40 years because of this response. Jesus is telling them to come near, and then when he appears, they're like, no. I don't want that. I like to keep my distance. I like to know you're there, but I don't want to be close. I think that's the response for the 40 years in the wilderness was because of their hard hearts. They didn't want to be close to God. They like to keep their distance. And God said, well, if that's the way you want it, that's what I'll do. Fast forward to 40 years when they finally break through and they cross over the Jordan and they're at Jericho. Do you remember the story? There's only seven priests blowing the trumpet. There's other priests carrying the ark, but there's 40,000 men behind them. They're not allowed to speak. I believe God was using that moment to teach those 40,000 men when a man can't speak, all he can do is see and hear. God was showing them what it looks like to be a priest. Yes, he gave them the shout. Yes, because his goodness and his kindness, he allows us to participate even when we're distant from him. 
But his original intent was for us to be priests. What would have happened if they had not backed away? There would have been 40,000 priests walking around Jericho blowing a trumpet. They wouldn't have had to walk around seven days. It would have happened the moment they all blew it. They blew the trumpet. This is what God has originally designed for all of us, to be priests unto him. In, um, in the Old Testament, you see that because of their backing away from God, his entire design was for the entire nation to be priests, that then he started the word tribes and started dividing the tribes. In Exodus 19, when that call went out, there was no such thing as a tribe. The tribe of Levi then became the only tribe where people could be priests. One-twelfth of the population. When God's entire design was that all 12 tribes would be priests. What would happen when an entire nation would be priests to God? Talking face-to-face every single day, ministering to him. I've got another revelation for you that hit me last, uh, last week. There are three different scriptures that say, uh, in three different places, we go from strength to strength. We go from faith to faith and glory to glory. Are you aware of those scriptures? Have you heard that? Do you know that word to from? The Lord, I believe, gave me this revelation. When I, when we minister to the Lord, that's how we go from this level of strength to the next level. This is how we go from faith to faith. When I minister to the Lord, he takes me on my level of faith. I minister to him and he takes me up. And then he saves the best for last, his glory. I'm I'm experiencing this level of his glory. When I begin to minister to him as a priest, he takes me up higher. This is the whole thing about being a priest. Are you ready for the greatest news you've ever heard in your life? What God wants, God gets. And when he sent his son, Jesus, to the earth, the perfect manifestation, the Bible in the New Testament goes on and on and on about Jesus being the fullness of the Godhead bodily. He is what, when they were afraid of the cloud, he said, okay, I'll send the man. And when Jesus came to the earth, people were like, oh, wow, yeah, mm -hmm, yeah. And they began to draw near to him. Now, some people refused, but more and more people started drawing near to the man Jesus. He's the cloud. He's the thunderings. He's the lightnings. He's the one blowing the trumpet. It's Jesus. And when he died and ascended into heaven, this is what the Bible says in 1 Peter 2.9. And we'll turn there quickly, and I'm just about done. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. Now, this is Peter writing to every believer. See if you recognize this language. For every person that has faith in Jesus as their Lord and Savior, this is what you're called to do. Every person. But you are a chosen generation a royal priesthood, a holy nation. Do you remember that in Exodus 19.6? That was God's original design for every person. 
his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. One more scripture for you, Revelation 1, 6. And this is Jesus, and made us kings and priests to his God and Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. The priesthood is not designed for people that go to seminary or go to ministry school or a four-year degree, or get a doctorate. We're all called to be priests. We're all called to know God in such an intimate way that I can know him for himself. We just celebrated the 500th year of the Protestant Reformation. And I'm so excited about that because at that point, the Catholic Church had told everybody, you can't know the Bible. You can't read it for yourself. You can't know God. You have to come to me, a priest, to figure out what God is saying. And that's wrong. And there are so many other abuses that have since long been corrected. But that was what Martin Luther was saying. No, 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 no. All of us can know God. All of us can be priests to him. All of us can know him in an intimate way. And when we receive Jesus and we know him personally, then he sends us out into the world to our families, to our friends, to our co-workers. Everywhere we go, we are priests unto God. Every atmosphere, like Miss Tammy at CIS, she can go in there and it can be really busy and it can be really heavy and people are stressed out and she can start singing. Like those incredible worship songs we heard this morning. The atmosphere will completely shift. Heaven will come. In closing, I want to remind you this morning that God has given us the shout. I know it's not cultural, but it's biblical. If you're in any atmosphere, wherever you are, and it feels heavy, 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 <laughs> made my own word. It feels heavy and oppressive and dark and evil. Shout. It doesn't have to be from the rooftops kind of, ah, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. And you just start to see this atmosphere just start shifting because God has given you a voice to speak to it as a priest. And even greater than that, God desires all of us to know him in such an intimate way through the revelation of his son, Jesus. Will you all stand? I just want to bless you. Would that be okay? This is a week of Thanksgiving. We're going to be around families and friends, co-workers, maybe some people we don't see but a couple times a year. I just want to bless you. Oh, thank you, baby. Father, I declare a blessing on all of us this morning that we will be full of your presence and full of your word and full of your spirit. I thank you for the priests that are in this room. I thank you for the revelation of that we are priests, that we can know you in an intimate way. I thank you that we can receive your word, we can receive your spirit, that you love us, that you care about us, that you want us to know you in such a personal way, such a personal way. With everybody, if you could just bow your heads right now and close your eyes. I just feel a, a prompting to do this. If there is someone in this room that does not know God as a priest, that does not know him in a personal way,
and your heart is beating very fast right now, that is the Lord. And you want to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You want to know God. Will you raise your hand? Thank you, Lord. You can open your eyes now. I just want to bless you as priests of God through faith in Jesus to have the best week of your life. When you're with your families and friends this week, to shout. Watch the atmosphere shift. Just shout glorious praise to God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Whatever your language is, whatever you want to say, shout. Watch the atmosphere change. People that you have bad relationships with. Sometimes family members don't always get along. And sometimes they walk in and they do it out of obligation. Shout. (laughs) Shout. And watch that barrier. Watch that wall come down. Thank you so much. We love you guys. Have a happy, happy Thanksgiving.